And y'all don't know oh. what oh, I went man. through. Do you have a car in your hands right now? <laughs> Nike Talk was that place that spiraled what you enjoy now. Anyone who brought a, a Kobe shoe in, I'll clean it for free. Man, mine was better than a lot of people in the league. I got I saw the, my favorite jerseys, that one, the Barkley. Kobe Forrest. Episode 56, this is the Danden and RG Machismo podcast. This is Danden. Um, RG Machismo can't make it today, but he did say hello to everyone. So today we ha- have Chase Hughes of NBA, I'm sorry, NBC Sports Washington, who covers the NBA. He is the uh, Washington Wizards um, inside reporter. Uh, thank you so much, Chase, for uh, having uh, for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I believe this is my second appearance on the podcast. So uh, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we had happy you, to be back had- on. Yeah, we had you during the pandemic where it was kind of weird, but, you know, I'm glad we were able to have you on again. And yeah, I mean, we've been big fans of your 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 work and your coverage. Appreciate it. So yeah, keep up the great work. So um, yeah, so right off the bat, uh, I know the NBA, um, you know, first half just ended on Wednesday. So I uh, just want to just ask, you know, what was your instant reaction to that 20 point, you know, deficit win against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Thursday? Um, yeah, on Wednesday. Well, first of all, I didn't think they were going to come back with the way things looked like in, in the first quarter, going down 20 points to the Timberwolves. I thought maybe it was the reverse of what happened when the Timberwolves were in D.C., yeah. where Kristaps Porzingis got hot and the Wizards never really looked back in a blowout win. Um, it was also kind of the reverse of what we've seen from the Wizards recently. They've lost a few games here and there where they were up big and then uh, coughed up that lead and ended up losing. But I think it was a reminder that, you know, for the most part, even when the Wizards have been down this year, even like during their 10 game losing streak, um, they, they re- very rarely get blown out. Uh, they're generally pretty competitive from night to night, as streaky as they've been, because when they lose, they generally go on a little bit of a losing streak. Um, they don't really give up within games. Um, you know, I guess credit to Wes Unsell Jr. for that, but also credit to the players on this particular night. With the all-star break ahead of them, a lot of those guys had trips planned to nice sunny places and uh, yeah. they they uh, were able to uh, find enough energy to get back in the game and end up winning. So do you think uh, the key to their um, that their key win was it the like the nine man you know the nine roster rotation that they had because I saw that you know um, everyone was pretty much I actually like that um, the biggest difference with that win, in my opinion, and I think people, and I think you pointed out as well, was the the second half the second half adjustments that Wes Unsell Jr. had, uh, especially when he had DeLon Wright on Anthony and Edwards, and that kind of pretty much, you know, solidified that run. Especially you know Gobert was just getting his. I think that was the plan, and then just let everyone you know just try to beat you. So what did you, what did you think about that, you know, their current role or that second half adjustment that they did? Well, DeLon Wright's been really valuable for them on the defensive end this year. He had a terrific game, uh, scored 10 points, but did so many other things like six rebounds. I think he had three steals. Mm-hmm. He also had a block. So he had a terrific game. He had um, four offensive rebounds, including in the fourth quarter. There was a play where he had two offensive rebounds on the same play, and it led to a three-pointer by Bradley Beal in the corner. Um, but I think the, a big reason for that win was just they had better ball movement after the first quarter. Um, the first quarter, the, there was a lot of isolation, a lot of bad shots, and they were able to break out of that and start moving the ball around, make the extra pass. And they ended up making 14 threes and shooting 40% from three. And um, that was uh, continuing a trend where they've been much better at three-point shooting in recent months. Over the last month, 
they're top 10 in the league in three-pointers made. And going back three months all the way to November, they're top 10 in three-point percentage. And I think this was an example of if your threes are falling, falling, if you move the ball and you can make your threes, you can pretty much erase any deficit within reason. Obviously, if you go down by 40 points, that's going to be tough to come back from. But these big comebacks that you see in the NBA so often nowadays, including when the Wizards have been on the wrong side of them, it's generally because the other team can find a way to get hot from three, and the Wizards were able to do that against the Timberwolves. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I read a stat that uh, Minnesota was also like within the bottom half of the of the league in defensive uh, three point three point um, you know ranking. So I mean that that also played a part too. And then I also wanted to add, uh, what do you, what do you think about Bradley Beal's recent play? I know a lot of people, including myself, have been hankering, saying that hey, he's not worth the money. And now these past few, you know, he he had a these string of games since I hopefully he's fully healthy now that you know he's actually playing at an all star level. So what do you think about his recent play uh, for Bradley Beal? He's played really well. Uh, I mean, he had 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves. He basically took over the game, and that was the most points he's had in the fourth quarter in over two years, um, back to when he was an all-NBA player uh, next to Russell Westbrook with the Wizards. And um, so he's scoring. Uh, his scoring volume has gone up in recent games. I think it's four out of the last five that he scored over 30 points. But overall for the season, he's been good when he's been healthy. Um, he's shot a good percentage, a career high from the field, also his highest three point percentage in five years, even though he's not scoring 30 points a game, he's still scoring about 22 points a game, but more efficiently. And he's been, um, pretty decent on the defensive end. I think all things considered, obviously he's had some trouble this year, late in games with turnovers and turnovers have been an issue for him for the most part this year. But lately we've seen that production translate into wins. Um, you know, early in the season, you know, Bradley Beal was putting up similar numbers, but the Wizards weren't winning a lot of those games. But if you go back 17 games with him, they're 13 and four in their last 17 games with Bradley Beal. So this is kind of like how they wanted it to work when they designed this roster in the offseason, where you have a nice scoring balance. And, you know, some nights it's going to be Porzingis, some nights it's going to be Kuzma. Some nights it's going to be Bradley Beal, but basically where they don't have to ask Bradley Beal to score 30 points for them to win and where they don't ask have to ask a lot from him on the defensive end, where they build a defensive structure around him with rim protection behind him and pretty decent defense around him at the one and the three. And it's just hasn't all that often worked exactly as planned, but over the last month or so, it kind of has. So as long as he stays healthy and the rest of the roster stays healthy, you can see how it can work. And if you go back 27 games, which is as close as you can get to a third of the NBA season, they're 17 and 10. And a lot of that has been with Bradley Beal in the lineup. And obviously they got healthier. They got DeLon Wright back. They've gotten Kuzma back recently. Um, Guys have been in and out of the rotation, but right now they're fully healthy. And that's a, that's a pretty good team. 17 and 10 would get you 52 wins at that pace over the course of an 82 game regular season. So right now the formula is working with Bradley Beal as one of their top scorers. And in this particular game is the guy who took over in the fourth. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I really hope that he continues that, you know, that 2020 version of Bradley Beal where he made it all NBA, but considering he doesn't have to do bulk, the, the bulk of the responsibilities, especially he has Christoph Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma shouldering that load. So, and I, they've only been playing what, 12 games together, right? Is that right, Chase? Like around that, around that, Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma. Uh, Kuzma, Chase. I mean, uh, Kuzma, Beal, and um, 
and uh, Porzingis. They have, how many games have they played together so far this season? I believe now it's 27. Oh, 27 games. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I think hopefully they continue that pace. So, um, yeah. So uh, nice segue with that one with the Wizards currently in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. So what's your expectation, Chase, for the second half of the season? I think they make the the playoffs um, via the play-in tournament. So I think it could be similar to what we saw a couple years ago when Russell Westbrook was here and Bradley Beal made All-NBA where, you know, maybe they're the eighth seed and they have to get through the play-in tournament, but they earn a first-round playoff series. After that, you know, obviously it depends on the matchup and there's some really good teams at the top of the conference, but I, I feel good about their chances um, to get a top eight seed. Right now they're ninth. They're only a half game out from eighth. Um, a spot that's owned by the Atlanta Hawks. They they got the Hawks a bunch of times in their final, um, what is it, 20, uh, 28 games of the season, I believe, are remaining. Right. Um, let's see, they've play, played, played 26 games, I believe, are left. And I think they play the Hawks four times. So gotcha. they've got them twice uh, right after they get out of the All-Star break. Um, so they're going to have a chance to play head-to-head against the Atlanta Hawks. But they just have much more positive momentum right now than the Hawks do. And if you look at the Wizards' schedule, it's pretty manageable moving forward. Um, they also have the most home games remaining of any team in the league, and they're they have a, they have a winning record at home. So I think the schedule is going to do them some favors. And we've seen how good they are when they're healthy. You know, they're not um, you know the Boston Celtics this year, um, but they're much better than their record would suggest uh, when they're healthy. And right now they're healthy, so barring something unforeseen, I think the momentum that they have carried into the All Star break will continue and they'll be able to earn a playoff spot. Yeah, most definitely, especially with Brooklyn having that nice pad lead before they made those two trades for, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie. So as expected, we see, you know, hopefully a drop-off with that, and then they can maybe, you know, switch spots with the Wizards. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, it's going to be a pretty fun stretch compared to what it was last season. And, you know, I really hope that they continue their, you know, their chemistry and, health is also going to be key as well. Um, and also the, you know, the adjustments by Wes Unseld. Uh, I know that he, it's, he's been getting a lot of, you know, criticism from, you know, us fans and other, you know, observations from other, you know, reporters that, Hey, like, you know, you're, it's kind of like you're, you're, he's very um, stubborn is, is, is what I would probably say um, and things don't work the way it, the way it is so hopefully you know he can learn from you know especially this last game with Minnesota where he made a lot of good adjustments especially at DeLon right towards like the second half and yeah I really hope that those things play, you know fall into play. Well, Wes Unsell Jr. is a smart guy. Um, he's got a good set of experience and he's a good communicator and he, I think, relates pretty well to the players. He's just uh, still relatively inexperienced. So okay. I think that was always going to be part of the equation when the Wizards hired him as a first-time head coach is that yeah. you know, it's very rarely do you hire a guy who's never done it before is immediately going to know exactly what to do. So we saw some of the learning curve last year. I think some of it's carried over to this year, but I think if you look at his tenure in total, you could see him getting better. And I think the Wizards this year, um, there's definitely some times where it's like, okay, well, maybe um, maybe you would want a coach to make up the difference, Um, you know, maybe when they had injuries to kind of compensate for the loss of other players. But I think there's also um, a lot of positives from this year that he could point to, um, like the development of some of the players, um, the fact that uh, Porzingis and Kuzma are both having career years and 
um, have formed a really nice balance in terms of shot attempts with Brad the Beal, which I think is a little bit easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And the defense has taken a step forward. You know, it didn't look like it at times this year, certainly during the 10 game losing streak, but um, and it didn't happen overnight last year. Obviously, they were great to start the season and then ended up having a below average defense. But now they're right about the middle of the league. So it's like it's it's not a huge step forward, but it is a step forward. And you can see the trajectory is there uh, for him and for what the Wizards hired him to do. Um, but we'll see moving forward. You know, he's not a perfect head coach. I think if injuries do crop up, that'll be another challenge for him because um, that to me is always a separator for head coaches. It's like, okay, you know, when everyone's available and things are going well, that's one thing. Well, what happens when you're missing a few key players and you've got to, you know, devise a way to make it so that your team doesn't skip a beat. Um, that'll be something that he's got to figure out, obviously moving forward, but, um, all in all, I think he's improved from last year. And I think Wizards fans mostly would agree with that. Yeah, I agree. I guess for us, we're so impatient, right? And yeah, in this, in this DC sports, uh, you know, all facets, you know, football, hockey, you know, basketball, we're so impatient that we just want to win. It's uh, DC is very rich as far as like basketball culture from the very beginning. And I guess for us, like we expect more from Wes Unseld because I know he's his dad is, you know, was a great NBA player for the Bullets and he, he was an okay coach with the, you know, Bullets as well. So I hope, you know, uh, and, he, and he's a very, very, you know, he's a very likable coach as well. Um, very insightful with his post game uh, interviews. And yeah, I, I just hope, you know, wish nothing but the best. And, you know, it definitely an, an upgrade from what we had in previous, you know, coaches. So, yeah. So uh, next question for you, uh, Chase. So in your opinion, uh, which player or players have elevated their game this season and which have underperformed in your opinion? I think Kyle Kuzma has elevated his game, although we saw uh, toward the end of last season that you know, maybe that was a sign of more to come. But he's um, scoring career high uh, in terms of points. Um, his percentages have fluctuated a little bit, but I think he's clearly better than he was a year ago. Um, Porzingis is just about him staying healthy. He's kind of been the, a very similar player to what we've seen in recent years when he's been healthy. And now he's healthy and now he's putting up career numbers as well. Um as far as who else has gotten better um, year over year, I think Kispert is better. You know, his shooting percentages certainly reflect that. He's, I think, gotten to a, a really good place in terms of his efficiency. Uh, the challenge will be, can they scale the volume up a little bit, um, you know, as he moves forward throughout his career, but certainly a step forward for him. Denny Abdia, I, I think, has gotten better. Um, you know, he's still obviously searching for consistency, but I think the offense has improved a little bit for him this year. You know, maybe the numbers don't reflect it in a dramatic way, but um, I just can tell that he's added more to his game. Um, you know, uh, that's uh, Daniel Gafford, I think, is in a uh, in a better he's more consistent than he was a year ago because he's in a, a better role for himself. Um, let's see who else. Obviously, there were a lot of additions who weren't on the roster last year, so. Um, that might pretty much cover it in terms of who I've been disappointed with. Obviously the Will Barton experiment yeah. ha hasn't worked out and it doesn't look like it will continue if the wizards move forward with the buyout, uh, that they've been working on. And that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought, you know, him coming over, he was going to find a pretty good role for himself and that Wes Ansel Jr. would know uh, exactly how to utilize him, but it just didn't, it just didn't work out. And I think it was in part because, um, 
he's not getting to the rim as nearly as often as he did during his best years in Denver. Um, also, he just wasn't um, making the same shots that he was making uh, in previous years. You know, just one of those years that's a make or miss league and, you know, he's been missing shots and, you know, he, he rated pretty poorly defensively, but also, you know, there was a pretty big adjustment for, I think both him and Monte Morris coming over, having played with Nikola Jokic where the offense ran through him and he's unbelievable at drawing the attention of the defense and then throwing perfect passes to his teammates. So I think naturally those guys were going to benefit from that. And Monte Morris has done a better job of adjusting to new surroundings. He said he had to relearn the point guard position. So um, it wasn't easy, but I think you've seen his numbers start to catch up lately. And maybe he was afforded the opportunity of a more consistent role than Will Barton was given um, because Monte Morris was brought in to be the starting point guard and then Delon Wright got hurt. So it's like, you know, even when he was struggling, they couldn't really go in a different direction. Um, but he's really pulled out of it. Will Barton wasn't able to, and it looks like, you know, he'll get a fresh, uh, fresh change of surroundings and, and maybe he'll benefit from that. Yeah. So um, in addition to that, I know we traded um, Rui uh, Hachimura for a um, couple, you know, second round picks and also for Chris Dunn. Um, what, what's your impression of Chris Dunn so far uh, this season? And then, you know, in a, in a small sample size. Kendrick Nunn, right? Kendrick Nunn, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's He's been uh, pretty good, I would say. You know, first impression of him is that he's um, not afraid to take his shot. You know, uh, some players on the roster, you know, Rui Hachimura, I guess, included, have fluctuated with their aggressiveness and their assertiveness. You know, certainly Denny Avdia, you could put in that category. A lot of the young players do, but he, he's uh, someone who's very aggressive and, and looks for his own shot. Um so uh, there's that. And um, I think, you know, when you start to look at the numbers that he's put up here, they've been pretty decent. You know, it's not what he was two years ago in, in Miami, but you can go back a couple of weeks to before he got traded by the Lakers, where it was pretty clear they started maybe to showcase him ahead of the trade deadline to try to see if another team would bite. And they were able to uh, play him more and he started scoring a little bit more. And I think he also caught a bit of a shooting rhythm. Um you know, a couple of years ago in Miami, he shot like 38% from three and on like five and a half attempts per game. So he was a pretty decent shooter in terms of volume and efficiency, but then he missed a full season. So uh, he naturally was going to take some time to readjust. And I think it's possible that he caught a bit of a rhythm a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago. And it's possible that there's some upside that he can tap into down the stretch of the season and maybe help the Wizards with their three-point shooting uh, maybe a little bit more than the overall season numbers would suggest. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember him watching him in the bubble um, when he was with Miami, uh, particularly in the playoffs too. Um, I think one of the games, I think they played Boston and he scored what, like maybe 18, 20 points off the bench in garbage time. I mean, that to me, that's impressive, even though that was already, maybe, I don't know, I, I can't remember which game it was, but he can score in bunches and that's something the Wizards can hopefully, um, you know, use. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Wes Unsel can find him more minutes in, within the rotation. Uh, I know that right now he's playing a pretty tight rotation right now. I think like nine or ten uh, players. So hopefully, you know, he gets that going. And um, and I also wanted to ask you about, because uh, I know you also cover about the, um, the go-go. Um, any updates on Johnny Davis and his development? Um, not really at the moment. Um, he has, uh, you know, spent a lot of time down there, of course. And um, from what I gather, he's 
Uh, been a pretty impactful player defensively for the Go-Go this year, but obviously his offense still has some work to do before he can uh, get back to the NBA and make a difference and make an impact in the Wizards rotation. Um, he's been with the Wizards in recent games, but hasn't been playing very much. Um, although he did get into a game recently, I think it was against the Blazers and made a three. So there's that. Um, but yeah, he's got to he's got to improve his jump shot and improve his ability to protect the ball. I think before the Wizards are going to give him um, some real minutes at the NBA level. But um, defensively, I think he's been pretty good for the go-go this year. But um, it's tough when you when the Wizards rotation, although they've improved with three point shooting, it's not like they're one of the best shooting teams in the league. So if you're a guy who has a a little bit of trouble making your three point shot, then it's kind of tough to put you out there um, with lineups with other players who have trouble doing that. And also, you know, going back to Kendrick Nunn, I think that definitely had a direct effect on Johnny Davis's ability to get minutes the rest of the season because Kendrick Nunn, like Johnny Davis, is a bit of a combo guard, uh, but just a more experienced one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And hopefully, uh, you know, Johnny Davis, um, you know, hopefully within, you know, in the summer league, which that will be a, hopefully it'll be a big step for him. Because uh, I know we saw a little bit of flashes and, you know, as expected, rookies, you know, do rookie things and, Hopefully he can just take that big step forward and hopefully he can also contribute, you know, within that roster. So, I mean, he's very talented in Wisconsin and I know that, uh, you know, people had their opinions about us drafting him with the 10th pick, but I, you know, I do see a lot of things that may be very helpful for the wizards in, you know, as he continues to develop. So I just hope he continues to, to, you know, to get towards, towards the, you know, the right path. So, yeah, um, I mean, I think the Wizards have to just, uh, you know, have some confidence in the way things went for him at Wisconsin, where mm -hmm. his first year, he only averaged about seven points a game and wasn't a huge factor. And then the second year, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year and became a top 10 pick. So if, if he can have that same trajectory where he uh, sort of got laid a foundation and then made a huge leap year over year, then he'll be just fine. Awesome. All right, so um, nice segue from the current roster to the previous roster of the Wizards of the Year. So I know they're celebrating, you know, the, uh, you know, the, they just recently had a big celebration. Uh, and I know one of the highlights of the Wizards season has been that uh, the celebration of the original Big Three, which was Gilbert Arenas, Karam Butler, and Anton Jameson. Um, and also, you know, you, you were also uh, at, had a, you know, you were at the press conference that they had before the game. So, uh, what was that like seeing those three together and uh, for Gilbert Arenas being back in D.C.? So what were your observations with that, Chase? It was cooler than I expected it to be. You know, I um, part of the reason why I got into this business because I was a huge Wizards fan growing up and particularly of that team. You know, I was like in high school and college, um, Gilbert Arenas was doing his thing. And, um, you know, I was around the team a little bit as an intern back in 2009, 2010, which was um, the season where everything really unraveled. And, you know, after that, they got um, John Wall in the, in the draft. Uh, so a lot of time had passed and it just brought back a lot of old memories seeing those three together. And I've gotten to know Karam Butler a little bit, you know, being, in the media industry actually did TV with them sometimes. And um, that was really cool because he was my favorite player on that team. And I've gotten to know Antoine Jameson better than, of, than any of them because you know he's around, he works for the Wizards. He's also done some TV with us at NBC Sports Washington. Um, but I'd never met Gilbert Arenas before. So 
it was my first time introducing myself to him and being able to ask him questions. And that was just really cool. It kind of took me back to growing up in, in the area and being a fan of the team. Um, so obviously I think it was a really cool moment for the franchise and also for those guys to get back together. And I would imagine there were a lot of Wizards fans out there who felt some nostalgia watching those guys uh, get back together because, you know, it's not like they, of course, won a championship or anything like that, but they gave Wizards fans some of their best memories for, um, you know, across generations, honestly, for the franchise, because, you know, they didn't go on a deep playoff run, but they were an especially fun team. And I think they brought a lot of people into the fan base because Gilbert Arenas really trans in particular, really transcended the area. You know, he was one of the best players in the league and one of the most exciting scorers and personalities in the league. So I certainly have very fond memories of that era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all did, you know, like he had so many, you know, game winners, so many playoff moments. And, you know, uh, for for those eight years that he had, uh, you know, those were fun years and abruptly, it, it, unfortunately, it, it abruptly ended the way it did. But I'm glad that, you know, the, the Wizards organization gave him his flowers and, you know, hopefully down the road, you know, he can they can retire his number zero number as well as you know Jameson and I know Beal has Karan's number you know and that's probably going to be next when Beal's you know done and over with so hopefully that's going to be the next step Chase is for them to retire those two numbers um, what do you think of, about that possibility I think Gilbert Arenas at some point I would imagine gets his number retired um, he was such a transcendent player and um, no one has worn the number since, right? And I remember... Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I remember a player... A couple of players have come in who've been asked about it, and some of them have said that they essentially, you know, it wasn't available. And then other players said that it kind of was available, but it was like Russell Westbrook and... Yeah, I remember uh, that one. Kyle Kuzma kind of indicated that he could have had it if he wanted to, but certainly Westbrook could have had it. And he said, he, you know, he didn't want to out of respect for Gilbert Arenas. And Kyle Kuzma said the same thing. Um but bottom line is no one's worn it. It's also like, uh, you know, no one's worn 23 since Michael Jordan was here. So those numbers seem to be like unofficially retired, even though they don't hang in the rafters. But in the case of Gilbert Arenas, uh, that would be my guess that it's someday there's uh, you know, maybe this was a step towards that where, yeah. um, you know, maybe I don't know if it's in the, the, the distant future or sometime soon, you know, they bring him back and, and raise his number and that'll be another special moment. Yeah, and I'll definitely be there in attendance when that happens, and I'm sure you'll be there as well. And hopefully, be, there'll be there'll be another call. Lord willing, Lord willing, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Chase, for um, you know, coming on. And then I, I just wanted to know, um, what's your uh, NBA Finals prediction? Um, I know there's so many teams are in the uprise, so many teams that's going, you know, transcending, descending. So, in your opinion, who do you see the two teams in June? I'll go with the Boston Celtics over the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think that'd be a fantastic finals to have Jason Tatum and John Morant, uh, two of the league's brightest young stars go at it. And uh, the reason why I'm picking those teams is uh, because of their, their defense and they've got the scores that I think can take over playoff series. So Celtics came up just short last year, but um, I think they're even better than they were last year, uh, especially with Brogdon and Robert Williams healthy and um, Tatum and Brown are even better, I think, than they were last year. So I think it's the Celtics over the Grizzlies. Okay, and how, how about many, you? How many? Um, I would say 
Hmm. I would probably say I like Milwaukee because I think that they're getting Chris Middleton back. But I I also do like Boston too. So I think within the Eastern Conference Finals, I do see Milwaukee and Boston, but I do see Milwaukee edging them out in seven games. I think Giannis will just have one of his like superhuman, you know, extraordinary, you know, 40, 20 type of games. But I um and I think it's gonna be between Denver and Memphis in in the Western Conference. So I I pick for me, I think I'm going to pick. Milwaukee and Denver and I got Denver winning it winning it all because I think they're very complete and the trades that they did you know recently I know they got rid of Bones Highland to the Clippers and I think they're just starting to gel now um, as a and you know they're a very well coached team uh, very balanced and you know Jamal Murray is getting back to where he was before and you know Jokic is just being Jokic very quiet, you know, MVP candidate, and I'm he'll probably win it again this year. Um, so I think I got Denver probably winning in seven games over over Milwaukee. So I mean, that's uh that's I think you're right about those four teams deciding the championship this year, at least as of now. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna be a fun. I mean, people think you know Jokic is so boring to watch, but like. I, I tell people he's like the modern like Tim Duncan like but it's more he has, has a much more like very skillful like mm-hmm. he, we don't see Duncan passing the ball or shooting a three or you know no no like behind the look passes you know they they you know they're very fundamentally sound but I think Jokic just has more of a you know he's just more well-rounded as far as like a complete player for like playing at the five so offensively offensively I think, yeah. I think Duncan would be the better defender but I could see some similarities for sure exactly exactly so um last question for you Chase um and uh we talked you know behind you know uh you know behind it um about it so you just recently uh tried Filipino food for the first time and uh, I I mentioned to you yeah you know I, I my cousin has a restaurant in Annandale I wanted to try it and you know um you know, I know you were pretty busy, you know, during the, during the season and, you know, messaged me, Hey, like, I'd like to try it sometime. So, um, I know you and your family tried it out, uh, the Sari Casina in Annandale. So, um, what was that ex- first time experience for you? Like trying uh, Filipino food? Oh, it was great, man. Yeah. It was Filipino barbecue. And, um, I had long wanted to try Filipino food. This area is uh, so incredible in terms of all the international food and how authentic it is. But, um, one of the cuisines that I hadn't tried yet was Filipino food. And thanks to you and your cousin, I was able to, and it was awesome. And I mean, I love barbecue in general, but it was such an interesting spin on barbecue and smoked meats. The sauces that, uh, you know, came with the meat were, were just different flavors than what I'm used to. And um, I loved it. I'm definitely a fan and uh, definitely plan on trying Filipino food again. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully, you know, and NBA sport, and hopefully when, when the Wizards make it to the playoffs, you, you know, you can tell tell your uh, tell people from the NB Sports. You know, maybe they can do a catering, a, a Wizards watch party with, you know, with good food around, and you guys will, you know, cover it that way. You know, hopefully that works works out. But yeah, I will. You know, we do. Um, my cousin Jeremy wanted to say thank you for, you know, um, you know, reposting it on your you know on your social media, and actually it got a lot of good positive feedback um as well. And I think he's gonna be 
opening more restaurants uh, in the DMV area. So oh, great. You know, more, more to come. And, you know, I know like Chris Miller, Drew Gooden, and then, you know, they're pretty big foodies um, talking about food all the time. And, you know, hopefully that they, they can try it out as well. Yeah, man. I'll link you guys up for sure. All right, Chase. So thank you so much for, for your time. Um, and uh, who do you think is going to win uh, between Team LeBron and Team Giannis? I know it's like a new format. It's kind of like old school, I guess, you know, like playground basketball. We don't know who the roster is going to be. But who do you think will um, will construct the better team between the, the two? Uh, I'll go with Team Giannis. Um, yeah, we don't know the rosters yet, but um, I feel like Giannis is having such a big year. LeBron's been banged up a little bit. So I feel like Giannis is going to put on a show. For sure, for sure. All right, Chase. So thank you so much for having um you know the time today. And then where can they find you uh, on your uh, social media? Uh at Chase Hughes MBCS on Twitter. Awesome. All right, thank you so much, Chase. Uh yeah, this is episode 56. Thank you so much. Thank you.